You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome into the show. Good morning. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. What a crazy weekend in the NFL. I'm always thrilled to have this guy on. I, For my money, I think he, I think he's the best NFL reporter, writer, speaker, podcaster, media member. He does everything in the country. Mike Florio, the, the gentleman behind Pro Football Talk, Twitter, at Pro Football Talk, joins us right now. Mike, uh, good morning. Thank you. And what a, what a crazy week two it was. Oh, it really was. And it's the perfect commercial for the NFL as it relates to the danger of giving up on any game. Never change the channel. You never know what's going to happen, whether it's 21 points down in the fourth quarter, 13 points with less than two minutes to go. Anything can happen. And yesterday, everything did happen. Well, let's start. Let's start there. Let's start with that Dolphins game and, and such an incredibly important performance for, for Tua Tungavailoa. In, in particular, we tend to be, and Mike, I'm guilty of this too, overreactionary for better or worse in, in single moments on single games. The NFL's a long season. What for you is the proper takeaway from what, what Tua and the Dolphins did in that game and that comeback? Well, and I think it's fine to overreact properly react it's all we have to react to these curmudgeonly get off my lawn types that don't like it when we overreact what else are we supposed to talk about this is all we have please let us enjoy our overreaction we know they're not handing out super bowls based upon what happened in week two but let us enjoy it we got nothing else okay rant over now as it relates to Tua, six touchdown passes a big deal having tyree kill and jalen waddle a big deal and it's not as if he's suddenly become Dan Marino, but he's playing better. We saw in the preseason how he's putting more time into his craft. And one name that has gone overlooked so far, and it's not Mike McDaniel, the new head coach, it's Daryl Bevel, the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator, who is getting more out of Tua. He wasn't great his first two years. He's in the process of transforming into a great quarterback, and it helps to have those weapons in Hill and Waddle, first teammates in league history to have at least 10 catches, 150 receiving yards, and two touchdowns each in the same game. Mike Florio here on the show. Mike, in, in soccer and baseball, there's a lot of talk about confidence. I never hear it in the NBA. To what degree, obviously skills matter, obviously health matters, obviously for a quarterback in the National Football League, your protection, your coordinator, your, all those things matter. How much do you think for a guy like Tua or any of these players that are unproven and trying to carve a career for themselves that confidence does or doesn't sway the direction their careers go? I think confidence is huge. Football is the ultimate sport in which you have to be confident. You have to be confident to the point of delusional about what you can do. And if you get off to a good start and if you begin to develop more confidence, I say this all the time, confidence begets confidence confidence and before you know it you're a team and you're a player that others are looking at differently that others are in awe of that others are being more more focused on trying to stop now there's a downside to it as well you get a target on your back eventually just ask the Bengals but that confidence that you can develop early in a given season can really carry you and make you better uh, in the short term and, and in the long term. So I, I think confidence is a huge part of it. And, you know, you've got to be confident. You've got to be, especially as a quarterback, you've got to be willing and able and ready to try to squeeze a ball in a tight spot, to not worry about making a mistake, to just go out and let it rip and let it fly and have faith and confidence in your abilities. And, Mike, what is your 
confidence level, and I know this is way down the line, but that Trey Lance, who will be out for the season, is still likely to be able to live up to the expectations the Niners had for him when they took him number three overall in a draft a few years ago. Well, I think the Niners did him no favors whatsoever in putting him in that spot. It's one thing to make him the third overall pick. It's another to make him the third overall pick after you invest a total of three first-round picks and a third-round pick in that player. It puts an inordinate amount of pressure on him. You bring him through the door while you still have a quarterback who took you to a Super Bowl. And then while he sat on the bench most of his rookie year, he did have two starts and he got injured in both of those games. The incumbent almost takes the team back to the Super Bowl. The players love him. They exile Jimmy Garoppolo. Then they bring him back as the backup. And who knows what they're going to do with Garoppolo next year. They can't keep him off the free agent market. But what if they decide to find a way to keep him around? for 2023 because they're not sure Lance is going to be healthy. And I frankly think they weren't weren't quite sure what they have in Trey Lance. Well, now all of that has been delayed for another year. We're getting into year three of his career. We still don't know if he can play. That's going to put more pressure on him when he's finally out there on the field. And there's a point at which, at least in San Francisco, it's not going to happen for Trey Lance. I'm not ready to say that yet, but I think next year, There's going to be a ton of pressure on him and on the team. And it could be that by the time we get to 2024, he needs a fresh start somewhere else. And I really do think it's unfair to him. And this is why I'm a big proponent of players coming out of college, being able to pick their NFL teams just like they pick their college teams. Trey Lance didn't ask to be put in that spot, just like Jordan Love in Green Bay. He didn't ask to be put in between a dysfunctional quarterback and front office, and he's stuck there now. Same thing with Lance. He's stuck in a bad spot, and we'll see how it plays out. But I think it's too early, and a lot of it depends upon what Garoppolo does this year in place of Trey Lance for the rest of the year or until Garoppolo gets injured, because that's one of the reasons why they wanted to get rid of him. He's not durable either. Mike Florio here on on CBS Sports Radio. I'm Bill Ryder. Mike, Tom Brady, not the sharpest that we've seen out of the gate, but we've seen that before. Obviously, I hate talking about people's personal lives, but – there's some stuff out there about his personal life, which which he has he has addressed, and now reports out that he is going to be given a they call it a Veterans Day off, at Wednesday's off. What do you make of that decision, and what it says about where Brady might be physically or or headspace wise? Well, a lot of older guys get the Wednesday off every week. I remember Ben Roethlisberger was getting the Wednesday off every week. Look, Brady knows the offense inside and out. It may have been part of the deal that he struck in order to come back and. If so, the Buccaneers would have been happy to do it. They'd rather have him Thursday, Friday, and Sunday than have him on Wednesday. And you raise a great point about the personal life. Is it fair game? He said last week he's not bothered by it. Look, he leads a very public life. And when you welcome that, when you are selling underwear and crypto on your Twitter page, when you are an open book, you can't be selective. I say that all the time. you got players in the NFL who say, hey, everybody look at me. You can't turn around in the next breath and say, what the hell are you looking at? So it becomes a relevant factor, especially if it's affecting his play. We worry about how an injury affects someone's play. He looks thin. He looks gaunt. He's 45. I think that this is a real issue that needs to be monitored as the season unfolds. And I think defenses are going to come after him aggressively this year. So, yeah, it's all fair game. And and we'll see. We are in new territory with NFL quarterbacks. And Brady is stretching the rubber band farther than we've ever seen a quarterback do it. So everything that happens, I think it's fascinating. It's unprecedented. 
And this will be the manual or the playbook that future quarterbacks may use because he's the one who's blazing that trail. Mike, I'm a long-suffering Bears fan who borderline hates his own team, so I'm well aware of the lack of a test that it often is for a team to beat the Bears, especially the Green Bay Packers, their record historically, and certainly Aaron Rodgers. So to whatever degree you feel like you can glean some info from, from last night's game, are you, are you, are you a buyer of, of, of Packers stock? Do you believe in Green Bay this year, or do you have some doubts based on what we saw in Week 1? You know, it's funny. When you look at the final score of a game, 27-10, and when I was growing up, that was just like an indication of just an old-fashioned drubbing. 27-10, we kicked your ass pretty good. But there was a moment in the fourth quarter where it could have been 24-17. You had the Justin Fields dive to the pylon. His knee hit the ground before he scored a touchdown. And then the run up the middle out of shotgun formation, which I still don't understand. But maybe the ball got across the front of the plane. All it's got to do is kiss that front end, but until they actually see the ball, they won't overturn the ruling on the field. It's kind of a weird way where the NFL ignores common sense and insists on seeing the ball in order to have clear and obvious visual evidence. But if it's 24-17 in that spot, that potentially changes things. Aaron Rodgers was lamenting the fact that the offense sputtered in the second half. So the Bears at least hung around. Look, do you expect to go to Lambeau Field and beat the Packers in their home opener? No. And you look around the league right now, there's a lot of teams that are going to be jumbled up at one and one. It's what you do going forward. It's how you get better on the fly. This is a team that has the potential to improve as the season goes on, and we'll see what they do one week at a time. But I think that's one of the realities of having 17 games now. There's no longer any reason to freak out about one and one or 0 and 2 because there's still 15 games left. All those stats we used to hear about, well, X number of 0-2 teams ever turn it around and make it to the playoffs. That applies to 16. With 17, we've got one year that we can look at. I think that changes everything. So last night's a mulligan as far as I'm concerned for Bears fans. Yeah, Mike, I want to hit on that. Just what is your – and you're right, the, the, the math is different because the, the format is different. And the exact stat is I think 9.5% of the 400 teams since the merger that have started 0-2 have made the postseason – just watching the Bengals, obviously what they accomplished last year, and watching the Raiders and the expectations that are on them in a very crowded AFC West, do you do you like either of those teams, both of those teams, neither of those teams, to, to turn it around in a long season and, and, and end up in the postseason? Well, at least the Raiders can say we're working in new systems, new offense, new defense, new coaching staff, and they were up 20 to nothing. It's not good that they blew the lead, but at least they built the lead. The Bengals... Now, they came from behind against the Steelers, but they were down 17-3 in that game. They were down 17-3 in this game, and they came back again, and the Cowboys won it late. So they just can't be falling behind 17-3. And that offensive line, it's going to take time for it to gel. They replaced four of the starters. And, and look, I, I don't want to be overly critical of the Bengals because it looks like they are changing the way they do business. But they've got a thing about not guaranteeing money beyond the first year of veteran contract. And that may have kept them from getting Ryan Jensen. Now, of course, Ryan Jensen, the Buccaneers center, is currently hurt. But we don't know that he would have suffered a knee injury if he'd signed with the Bengals. And he would have been an upgrade over what they currently have at center. And maybe they could have done even more on the offensive line if they would have been more competitive with their free agency contracts. But that's what they do. Only guaranteed money in the first year. And maybe that's going to make it harder for them to make that team as good as it can be around Joe Burrow. But we're seeing it now. And the thing about 0-2, here's the one area where it's very relevant. Chris Sims talked about this all the time on PFT Live, and I'm sure we'll be discussing it this week as we 
move toward week three. For those 0-2 teams, the tension, the urgency, the pressure, the stress, it gets higher and higher with each loss until you get that first win. You just really feel it. And this is a week where the 0-2 teams are going to feel it, and any of them that become 0-3, they're really going to feel it going into week four. You get to 0-4, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but you're pretty much screwed. I think that's the official technical. You're pretty much screwed. I remember the Bobby Ross Chargers turning it around in 92 and getting to the playoffs, and maybe somebody else did it or got close to it. But, you know, for some of these teams, they are halfway to being done if they can't turn around and get a win. Mike Florio uh, from Pro Football Talk on on the show. All right, last one for you, Mike. And as always, man, love the time. Appreciate the perspective. This is great. I don't know if I'm supposed to call tonight's slate a doubleheader since they, they overlap, but whatever we're calling it, do you like Monday Night Football when there's two games set up the way there are tonight? No, I hate it. I hate it. And, I look, I, I don't know if this gets me in trouble with anybody. I despise it. Overlapping doubleheader? No. Prime time, we watch one game at a time. And, you know, ESPN would say, well, they're, they're, it's reducing the commitment from the – who cares? We want the commitment. I want six hours of football. I want to watch two games. I'll be bleary-eyed tomorrow. I don't care. At least I'll have an excuse for it. I want to watch <laughs> one game at a time. That's the beauty of primetime football. You spend your Sunday afternoon with your head on a swivel trying to keep up with everything. Then comes Sunday night. You can just focus on one game. Monday night, one game. And if you're going to do two, you do them one at a time, 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock. I, I don't like it at all, and I think a lot of people are going to complain about it. I think they did it a couple of times during the COVID year where they did like a staggered doubleheader. I, just, I, I do not like it one bit. But I, I have a feeling it's going to be here to stay like two or three times a year starting next season. Mike Florio, uh, great stuff as always. Love the candor, love the passion, love the perspective. Thank you so much for, for taking time from Pro Football Talk to, to jump on and, and, and talk some, some football with us. Thanks, Bill. Have a great day, pal. Thank you, buddy. You too. Mike Florio on the show. He's great, man. I, I love great guests. The technical term is you're screwed, by the way. That is that is correct, Diesel. That is the I looked it up. That's the that's the fancy schmancy term. Mike was all kinds of fired up today. Yeah. Dude, I I like people who are candid. Nothing annoys me more, and it's constant, than being out with people socially in the business and having some beers and they're talking about whatever sport they cover, whatever athletes they know, whatever league they're familiar with, and then you catch them on TV or you get them on the show, or what, and it's just a different answer. It's a different answer. Like, come on, dude. Stop it. All right. 855-2124-CBS is the phone number if you want to give us a call. Diesel, Mr. Trey Lance himself, fan club Trey Lance. That poor guy. What, um... How is Buy or Sell today? Well, it's a very crowded day. Buy or Sell is a segment where it's sort of a catch-all. I think I referred to you as a sheepdog earlier, making sure that all the topics don't stray, you know, get out of here when we're not focused on them. How is Buy or Sell today? Extravagant. Wow. Mind blown. An extravagant Buy or Sell from an extravagant producer next here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Let's... Buy or sell. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. 
All right, Bill, what do you say we keep that NFL conversation going? Now, last night, the Packers took care of business, beating your Chicago Bears 27-10, riding their 21-point second quarter to the victory. Rodgers completed passes to eight different receivers, finishing with 234 yards passing, two touchdowns, while running back Aaron Jones rushed for 132 yards. Buy or sell last night made you confident in the Green Bay Packer offense. Yeah, well, it's the Bears, right? It's such a difficult at Lambeau. Look, I have some reservations, but if I have to strictly buy or sell the Packers offense in any scenario, including last after last night, I'm going to believe in Aaron Rodgers until, like Tom Brady, he changes, he gets old. So bye. Bye. You guys have what looks like matching shirts on on the Skype, by the way. You and... Mr. Bogus. I'm not oh, happy. I'm not happy about it either. I didn't see the pocket. So Bogus has got a little splash of color on the pocket, and I'm not sure you have a pocket, but from a certain angle, it looks like you're both wearing the same shirt, only Bogus's is not faded, and yours you've had for like DSL 15 years. But it is a very similar Skype color. Thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate that. I mean, am I wrong? Bogus, it looks the same, doesn't it? Yeah, same family. I can see that. Same. I mean, I'm glad that you are at least not off on your colors. These are similar colors. I would say these is definitely a lighter shade of I'm working on it. Reddish than mine. Oh, I thought you were going to go for like a really specific color there. No, I don't think it's, I, I don't know what the right color would be. Magenta, Oosh. crimson. I don't know. I think you're more magenta. I think I'm more crimson. I yeah. think I think bogus is magenta and your faded magenta. Thank you yet again for pointing that out. No, I wouldn't see that seems like an insult. That's like calling your shirt a youth oh, pastor. Oh no, no, it, it definitely was. It, so I mean, I am wearing the same shirt I wore to a youth soccer game yesterday. So I'm not judging any. I just realized I'm not judging any. It I felt gotta, like I, you were. It yeah, felt like it you did. were. It did. A lot of Mike McDaniel going on with this guy double thumb pointed at me. No, faded like like faded jeans. Like, it's hip. That wasn't what that meant. That nope. was faded like, hey, dude, you need a new wardrobe. That shirt is really old. Yeah, and for the record, there's a channel on Sirius XM that plays just comedy bits. And I was listening to one the other day, listening to the channel, and there was one. <laughs> I can't give the details, but part of the punchline was a not flattering mention of youth ministers. So, again... <laughs> No. Yes, it's the consensus that it's not a nice comparison to make. I asked again today, and I feel wrong, done wrong here. I didn't change my stance whatsoever. You asked again, and it's not. It's not a compliment. I don't care how you try to spin it. It's just not. I think that says something about your view of youth pastors, not mine. Not about them in general, but their attire. Yeah, it's not a compliment. <laughs> it, again, when I say that Bogus dresses like he's a youth pastor, it's because he's well-groomed, he looks cool, and he can fit in with the cool kids, the youngsters, and the congregation. He can move seamlessly between, you know, that those sort of... He's the bridge. He's the fashion bridge. Moving you, on, D-Cell. Segway to sports. You keep working on your spin cycle there, and I'm going to keep moving with the <laughs> NFL. The All Cardinals right. found themselves down 20 to nothing at halftime yesterday in Las Vegas before outscoring those Raiders 23-3 to to force overtime before ultimately winning 29-3. to The 20-point collapse was the biggest in Raiders franchise history. 
Buy or sell Arizona's comeback yesterday says more about the Cardinals than it does the Raiders. Mm. I'm going to sell that, and here's why. Sell. Josh McDaniel's a new head coach in the sense that like, this is his second shot. It is not a great beginning for him. And I think that there are, we have just seen a lot of guys and many off the Patriots coaching tree who, as head coaches, have elevated to their level of incompetence, which is a reality in the real world. I'm. Let me ask you this, Bogus. Buy or sell, if the Raiders lose another game, you start to be worried about this head coach. Sell. Oh, be overreactionary. I can't. I can't do it now. Ask me about Nathaniel Hackett, and that's maybe a different answer. But Josh McDaniels does not have a three-game leash in Vegas. I, I know he doesn't, but you can some maybe it indicates something. It might indicate Ooh, that, a twenty-point lead. Yeah, it, it just may indicate that he has more work to do with Dave Ziegler, Ziegler, whatever the GM's name is, to fix. This Raider team, maybe this the what we're learning is the Raiders aren't as good as some of us thought they were going into the season, and there are just more things they need to do to make an actual good team in Vegas. Who is the last coach to come off Bill Belichick's tree and have real success? The next one will be the first one. Yeah, I mean, there's not a guy. It, 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 there's there's not a guy. It's not Charlie Weiss. It's, it's not, not Romeo Cornell. It's not Bill. Well, I mean, Bill O'Brien had some success until he was also the GM, and that backfired. Multiple nine and seven records, though, like was like his. Yeah, <laughs> Brian Flores was was decent in Miami. Flores is an interesting one. He's probably the best one thus far. I mean, Brian Dable's two for two as the Giants head coach. I I guess Flores might be the next one, right? Because I he will get an he. Sh- well, if you sue, it's, tr- it's tough, right. but he should yeah. get another job, talent-wise. All right, Bogus, you mentioned those Giants yesterday. Big Blue made it two straight wins as the Giants beat the Panthers 19-16. Baker Mayfield completed less than 50% of his passes again, throwing only one touchdown pass. Buy or sell, you're more impressed that the Panthers are 0-2 than you are that the Giants started the season 2-0. Sell. Go to the Giants. Sell. I am a very good friend and and host, and I don't remember which of you is a Giants fan and which is a Jets fan. I ask this of D-Cell every, every single. Time. But I think D-Cell's the Jets fan and Bo's the Giants fan. Did I get it backwards? No, you got it right. And to me, it's easy to remember because I make good decisions, so I like the Giants. D-Cell makes fair. bad decisions, and I line himself with the Jets, who have won a Super Bowl since 1969. You Can are, you buy that? You are exhausting. <laughs> Can Bye. you buy that? Because I'm literally never going to forget ever again. <laughs> um, my wife is going to get so mad at me if this family is listening, but there's a really nice family at our school that I need, I'm bad at remembering parents' names. The, 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 the kid's name is Enzo, and the dad's name is Ken. I kept forgetting his name, and I, I said to Lori... I Kenzo do it, and I have not forgotten since then. Bye. It works. If it works, I mean, if it works, Lori can't say anything. <laughs> You're a Jets fan because you make bad decisions. I'm never going to forget that ever again. Like, but can I get another buy for Bogus? Because that's bye. right up my, my alley. Another buy for Bogus. Another buy for Bogus. Yeah. So are we? Bogus is, by the way, a Giants fan. I don't know if you knew that, uh, Diesel, because he makes good decisions. Are you? Are we buying? Let's just say like nine and eight. Are we buying the Giants a little bit here? In that Come range? on, you're, you're not going to say this team's winning nine games. No way. Look at that division. Well, look at the next two games. They've got the Cowboys at home next Monday night with Cooper Rush at quarterback, and then they play the Bears. 
So they could, it's on the table <laughs> that they're 4-0 and and almost halfway to nine wins Let's with go! 13 games. I mean, it's, it's on the table. I didn't think it would have been 10 days ago, but right now it is currently on the table that this team is not terrible. Giants! I can't go blue Giants! shirts with you, but <laughs> I can't Other get there. Other blue shirts! Other blue <laughs> The team is not Big winning blue. nine games. Wait, they could if they win the next two. They were. I'm not. I'm not going to say the word lucky. They were fortunate to win yes, both of those games, but they didn't lose them, which is right. the kind of which is the point for Giant fans is that they didn't lose games they normally would have lost. Most other Giant teams, recent vintage, would be 0 2 right now. I mean, then they have the Ravens. Oh, the Packers. Then you have the Jags and the Seahawks. Packers game is in London. Packers game is in London. Who knows what happens there? I don't oh, care where they play that. They can play that game on <laughs> yeah. Pluto. It doesn't matter. They're not beating Aaron Rodgers. I, I agree. Maybe just maybe just bet the Giants to cover the 12 and a half. And okay. that's, the, hey, that's the equivalent. The Giants win in London, and that shirt's coming off. Say yes right now. <laughs> Fine. Fine. All right. Deal. Deal. Book it. Betting on something you already lost. Oh, then they've got, after the Seahawks, they've got the Texans, the Lions, the Cowboys again, the Commanders. They they could be 8-2 and two if things start to click. We got the Giants at 8-2. and two. What is I'm, happening right now? I'm, I mean, you are the one that told me to sell on the Cowboys. I'm telling you to sell on the Bears. Despite Bogus' optimism, the Packers are going to win that game. The Ravens are going to win that game. But Jags, Seahawks, Texans... Lions? I mean, they're those are all winnable football games. I don't know what's happening right now. We have the blue the blue shirts winning 15 games this year. We have <laughs> we have to move on before we have them winning the Super Bowl. Now, three teams in very different situations this season, but yesterday the Rams, Patriots and Lions all picked up their first wins on the young season. Now, the Rams held on for dear life over the Falcons, holding on 31-27 after getting outscored 17 to 3 in the fourth quarter. And New England topped the Steelers yesterday, 17-14. And finally, Detroit beat the Commanders 36-27 while rushing for nearly 200 yards as a team. Buy or sell any of these teams, the Rams, Patriots, or Lions, now hitting their stride after getting their first win. Mm, I don't think the Rams have hit their stride, actually. Um, I think the Patriots are are pretty interesting here. I'll sell. I'm, only the Giants are in stride. Sell. Someone's in the NFL in stride for me right now. I mean, it's the Giants and everybody else. I don't know why. Oh, no, I mean, I do know why Diesel can't get on board, but it's pretty obvious. I have a buy or sell question. I don't know if you guys know this, but um, I'm in a fantasy baseball league I've been in for 15 years, and I brought in four people from CBS Sports Radio over the years to fill this 12-team league. And it is currently an all-CBS Sports Radio-affiliated Final Four after I beat James Ward, who also came from CBS Sports Radio. Uh, It's me against Adam Klug this week and Tom DiBenedetto, the executive producer of the Jim Rome Show, plays Stuart Kovacs, who's our colleague on Maggie and Perloff and also the Jim Rome Show. And during, during, um, so James Ward and I are playing each other in fantasy baseball. Max Muncy and Justin Turner are playing in the late game. Whichever of those guys has the better game, that person advances in the playoffs. We were basically tied on on base percentage, and I think tied on runs. It was 7-3. to three. If he won in 5-5, five, five, he has a tiebreaker, whatever, you don't care. Klug, who's not playing in the game, who has a bye, 
plays the winner, was blowing our phones up, talking smack, putting fuel to the fire. At one point, I go, hey, man, I hope one of us beat you. I don't care who it is, 10-0. My wife's saying, shut up, and I love Adam. And he wrote back, literally, of course you want to beat me, 10-0. What are you talking about? Buy or sell, you're allowed to slip into somebody's texturing when they're in a heated fantasy sports playoff battle. Bogus. Wait, your wife picked up the... Who picked the... You lost me there. Who yelled shut up in this in this thread? I did. Oh. I told Adam, basically be quiet. And Adam missed the so the cue. So the question's about Klug. Is Kl- can Klug... Can any, yeah. Yes. Buy or sell? Buy. He can get involved. It's okay. Buy. Yes. Sell. Now, he- sell. People can get involved in the texturing while you're sweating it out. Klug cannot. Oh, and no, 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 I no, agree. No. I agree. I agree. Then he's like, you've got this. And, and literally the minute he Ooh. sent it, I think I think uh, <laughs> Justin Turner got a base on ball. And I was I was like, ah! I take this up very seriously. And, and I have, nobody cares. But you know how fantasy sports work when you lose by a, by a single, a .001 on base percentage. That's what we were staring down. Anyway, you're guy the Kluger. I love you, Adam. Read the social cues, buddy. All right, let's get to some college football here. Now, Scott Frost was, of course, fired after Nebraska's loss last week against Georgia Southern. The Cornhuskers didn't fare any better this week, losing to Oklahoma 49-14. However, Fox's big noon kickoff show was in town in Lincoln, and reportedly Nebraska has spoken with Fox analyst Urban Meyer about their coaching vacancy, although it seems Meyer is likely to stick with his analyst gig. Buy or sell Nebraska should be interested in hiring Urban Meyer. I mean, Urban Meyer dysfunction is always a sell for me. Sell. Let me ask you this question, though, and I think it's a different question. That's a great question. I have a different great question. They're connected but separate. I'll start with Andrew. Andrew, buy or sell, if Urban Meyer became the Nebraska head coach, he could closely approximate the success he's had in his last few college football jobs. I'm not saying win a national championship, but I am saying Nebraska becomes a top, let's say a top 10 team, and then the new college football playoff is in that format <sighs> most, you know, most years. I, I don't want to be nice, but I think I have to buy. Buy. Isn't that crazy? I think you might. What's be, but, the time frame we're talking here? So he gets hired. Well, first of all, he's not going to come in the middle of the season because right. he's going to take the losses. So if he's, I don't believe anything that, that comes out about this story. So if he could take the job, it would be next year. So he gets also, and I, this was true of, I did an investigative thing of Bob Huggins. What Urban could do is there are no rules that govern guys. There aren't a lot of rules now anyway, but there are no rules that govern people who aren't coaches. So Urban Meyer, as a Fox analyst, could fly around the country on his own dime and take every kid he wants out to dinner and have as many meetings as he wants and take them to, like, whatever, concerts. Yeah, somebody did this recently. I Bob can't. Huggins did it 10 years ago, and somebody else did. You're right. You can put a team together when you're not. Yeah, somebody recruited yeah. players and staff without yes. having a job. I can't remember who it was, remember, though. I should remember this, too. You're right, because it was a big, it was a big, it was a pretty big name. Yeah, was anyway. Was one of the guys that were at Alabama as a coordinator and were, was a Sark? Anyway, I don't remember. Yeah. So, my, so, so anyway, to answer, yeah, I think he comes in next year. I think he recruits quicker than most first-year coaches. And there's a transfer portal. So, like, it's not like he needs three years to build it up. Yeah. Like, let's say he takes the job. Even I could see him taking the job and not coaching it this year. Like, letting, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his first name. 
the interim guy finish the season while Urban is like taking over as head coach, and then they're good next year, and then 2024, is that my correct calendar? That would be the year when they could theoretically be dangerous. The only thing is, does he would he rather have that job or UCLA? Because they're both in the Big Ten. I would think you. Uh, I don't know. Am I crazy right? if I say Nebraska? I mean, my first thought is UCLA for Los Angeles, right. but I don't know if that matters to Urban Meyer and the recruiting. I mean, it's you're. I mean, Urban Meyer. I don't know Urban well. I don't know Urban at all, so I can't pretend to know. But some college coaches, football coaches, love being an eight hundred the eight hundred pound gorilla in this small little space of a college town. Like you are the king of that community. And some guys would rather be in a major city, right? Just depends on the preference. Doesn't it feel like Urban's ego might make Lincoln more competitive for his heart's desire than UCLA? Or does he want to be the king of LA? But I don't. So I could be wrong. If people listening might just. You don't matter here. I, I don't think like you. Every star on earth is here. So it's like, yeah, you're Urban Meyer, but it it's not the same. It's just not the same thing. Would right? he like even not... be, the, would he be the king of college football there? I mean, USC's off to a hot start. Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams. I mean, if Urban Meyer came into a, yes. a, a down UCLA program, would he be the king right away? I, th- I think so. I think even the negative attention is attention. Desale, buy or sell that Urban Meyer would have real success at Nebraska. Buy. It's going to take yeah. longer than it took at Florida and Ohio State, but yeah. I, I really think he would. Do you guys think, and maybe he doesn't operate this way, but I, I do think that Saban's ability to go to a once-storied program and reinstate its glory and surpass maybe the most important historical figure in coaching history and Bear Bryant, like that's a real thing that's talked about in college football. It's a real thing. Do you, Bogus, do you buy the notion that Urban Meyer would be similarly motivated by Nebraska's because Nebraska used to be one of the most important programs historically in, in the country, and now they're a joke. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd sell the idea of him wanting to fix Nebraska specifically. I think he would like the idea, the general idea of, like, fixing a program and being a good coach again and probably driven more so to, like, erase all the Jaguar BS than anything else. Right, but what if you take the reverse there? Like, what if he has his eyes set on a fixer-upper, but what if it doesn't go, even if it, if it's not a disaster, but he doesn't get them back to glory? Whatever program it is. He will. Then I think... you have Jacksonville, and then you have this latest stint at whatever program it is, back-to-back coaching gigs that don't necessarily add up to championships. Oh, man, you know what? That Notre Dame job, I know this sounds crazy because they just hired this guy. But then Notre Dame job could be open in a couple years too. I don't think it, is, I don't think it's that crazy, and I don't know if it would be a couple years. They barely, they almost lost to Cal on a hail mary. They almost started zero three. I don't yeah. think it's that crazy. Urban Meyer, will, I mean Notre Dame would hire Urban Meyer. They don't care. I would agree. They want you to think that they care, but then they wouldn't at the end. You think they wouldn't hire? No, no, no. I think they'd want you to care. Oh uh, yes, that or want you to think. That they would be like morally opposed to him as their right. head coach, but then they'd hire him. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I think Urban has got to be more interested in UCLA and Notre Dame. Also, if he goes to Nebraska, Nebraska's got to know that whenever he has the success we're talking about, he's gone 30 seconds later. 30 seconds after that, he's taken a 
the next, he's not staying in Nebraska for four years. Which I he's don't think would years. be the case at Notre Dame. I think he would stay. Oh, man. Notre, I like Notre Dame, too. And when Urban's there, it's going to be awful. All right. I'm sorry. Do we, do we, do we not get to all your questions? We, got, we went down the Urban Meyer rabbit hole. Tomorrow is another day. We can get to all the questions tomorrow. Buy or sell that if I ever end up on, on a, in, a, in a green room with Urban Meyer, I'm required to tell him the things I've said about him on, on the radio. Buy. Oh, you think so? Uh, yes, because that would make an excellent segment on our show, you saying how that dialogue went back and forth. I mean, trust me, I would like probably tell someone else to give, but like, I always feel like it's my job to sort of live up to what I say to people, but it might be, it might come off as super offended. I mean, a one-off chance in a room, I don't think you're required to do that. If he was show like... Show together. Show together. Um, one like, show where his, he's actually your partner. Not my partner, but like we are in the same place and we because I moved through the same green room as Scott Pioli a lot we haven't overlapped but but that will be awkward when but Scott knows the things I say about him I don't think this would be would be awkward with Urban because like he hasn't done anything to you personally so like you're gonna say hello you shake his hand but then you like you you would be honest hey like lay it all out here's everything I've said about you nice to meet you I do refer to as Urban Meyer dysfunction I like that tie right it's very youth pastor (laughs) (laughs) so you didn't like it we just i'm I'm glad we could i'm glad we could workshop it let's give you some monday night football we have a non-doubleheader doubleheader tonight let's give you some monday night football predictions i've actually got money on each game after we get a cbs sports radio update from Andrew Pogish. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast all right welcome back into the show it's Writer Than You here on cbs sports radio I love people loving D-Cell. Cody Peach tweets at Siebel, or Siebel? at D-Cell CBS. That's what it is. And sports writer, sports R-E-I-T-E-R. D-Cell, that's you, Tom, will be right about Trey Lance. He is going to be a mixture of Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. He sat behind Jimmy for a year, and now he's injured for the season like Burrow was. Burrow went to the Super Bowl last year. I mean, that's some optimism for you, buddy. I love the optimism. I, I think right now, today, the day of Trey Lance's surgery, I'm I'm leaning with Mike Florio, and he did not paint a rosy picture. I mean, he was already talking about maybe he needs a change of scenery because yeah. we're going to have this same offseason again. Like it, it, it was a very bad day for the 49ers organization yesterday. Cody trying to bring you some optimism. Allen, not so much, but it is sort of funny, even though it's mean. Quote, it's not a wonderful life. Every time a Theismann is on your show, a QB breaks a leg. Oh, man. It was an ankle, but oh, man. I get, I get, the, I get the joke. Thanks for that, Alan. And by thanks, I mean no thanks. Alan, there's a fish in your Twitter name. I mean, it's supposed to be the sign of peace. All right, a couple games tonight. I'm on each of these games, so I'm, I've had a pretty good weekend. I'm still, I'm still angry the Chiefs didn't cover the three and a half against the Chargers. I lost that one. Detroit covered fairly handily. Green Bay was always going to cover the 9.5 without a problem. And I know the game got close to the end, but it's never close because it's the Bears. Um, I'm on. I actually like Tennessee to cover the 9.5 at Buffalo tonight. I'm always a Tennessee guy, man. I, really? Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised by that. Wow. It's too big a number. Wow. I think, I think Vrabel's a great coach, and every year that team surprises. I don't know that they win the game, but I think it'll be a close football game. And I like Philly to cover the two and a half host in Minnesota. I know that's a little dangerous because the Vikings, especially early in the year when Kirk Cousins doesn't feel pressure, can play at a high level. But I'm in on Philly. I'm in on their roster. And I just, on the in the long term, for me, Kirk Cousins is a loser. I know there are 
there are swaths of seasons where he plays really well. You like Buffalo to cover the 9.5? I do. I think Buffalo dominates tonight. And I'm going to give you something a little different with the uh, with the later games here. I'm going to go over. I'm looking at 49 right now. I think we have a high-scoring shootout tonight. I'm going to take over 49. In the Philly-Minnesota game? Yep. In the dumbest thing ever, by the way, I'm not sure ever, but one of the dumbest things of the month, these games overlap. It is a 4-15 Eastern. No, I'm sorry. 4-15 Pacific start, seven fifteen Eastern, and an, and then an hour and fifteen minutes later, the other game starts. And what doesn't make sense about this is that ESPN and ABC are owned by the mouse, so they're actually cannibalizing their own audience. It's not as if we CBS has a game and they, which I get because they have the rights to Monday Night Football, but it's just I'm surprised that the broadcast partner didn't say no, man, push the game back. And also, if you're going to schedule a doubleheader. Don't schedule teams, three teams, two teams in the in the Eastern time zone and a team in the Central time zone in Minnesota. I actually don't know where Nashville falls, and I should. Is Nashville Eastern? I, I want to say Eastern. So if I have this right, half of Tennessee is Eastern and the other half is Central, but I believe Nashville is in yep, the Eastern right. time zone. Because Memphis is Central. You're absolutely right. Throw a West Coast team in there. Have them be the team that, ho- that hosts the game and play the game at, at 10 o'clock at night Eastern time. Dumb. All right, we're going to see. We're going to see if it's Buffalo by a million, as D-Cell thinks, or Tennessee covering the 9.5. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Mike Florio. Thank you to Andrew Bogish. Thank you to youth pastors everywhere. Thank you to D-Cell. I'm Bill Ryder. See you back here tomorrow on CBS Sports Radio.